I said, hey, ladies and fellas, if you're listening, as a woman of color, it is so hard to find lipsticks and glosses that really pop on my beautiful brown skin. Y'all know what I'm talking about? When the lipstick is giving lackluster instead of Lil Mama, okay? (laughs) Well, I discovered the most radiant, saturated, and pigmented lipsticks for richer complexions, and I found them at the Lip Bar. The Lip Bar is a black woman-owned and led beauty brand that focuses on providing effortless beauty options for all women, but especially women like us with highly melanated skin. Oh, and did I forget to mention that all Lip Bar products are vegan and cruelty-free? Get into it, friends. Make sure you click the link in the show notes to receive 10% off your first or next order of beauty products at the Lip Bar. Hashtag, you're welcome. Marriage is, is daunting, and I say this like as someone who is about to hit year seven, but one of the things someone told me early on is like marriage is a daily decision. Right. You wake up like, am I going to do this today? All right. <laughs> sometimes it's, I don't know, you know, sometimes it's yes. Right. And then if it's ever no, the key is to not be saying no at the same time. Right. Cause that's when it's really, it's a, that's when things get a little rough. You are now listening to the sugar-free podcast, the premier life advice podcast for millennia women. Welcome to the tea party friends. No tell. You know it's sugar free. Now tell me, girl, how you like your tea? Up in here, we like it sugar free. Come through, stop by, get up with me. With your girl sitting back, I'm a little crazy. Ooh, right here with me. It's where you wanna be. Wanna be. Let's get it sugar free. Yeah. Now tell me, girl, me girl, how you like your tea? How you like your tea? You know it's sugar free. Welcome, 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 friends. Welcome to the Sugar Free Podcast with me, your host, Sid Mack, your homegirl in your head, for part two of the season premiere of season three of the Sugar Free Podcast, The State of the Millennial Woman. Look, now, y'all know I'm about to leave you hanging. You know we had to get into the second half of this conversation before the week was through. Okay? (laughs) Wonderful. And so before we kick off part two of this wonderful conversation, let's get this recap. Y'all know I love a good recap. So to kick off the first part of this conversation, of course, I read through some stats about the millennial woman because we cannot talk about the state of the millennial woman without reading some statistics about where we are. Right. Okay. so let me let me run back the facts as a reminder. So who are millennial women? The millennial woman is known for her strong determination intelligence and curiosity she is always seeking new ways to improve especially when it comes to her self-improvement the millennial woman is educated okay 36 percent of millennial women hold at least a bachelor's degree compared to only 28 percent of millennial men and 29 percent of women overall 
The millennial woman is a hustler. There are more millennial women in the workforce today compared to any other previous generation of women. The millennial woman is healthy, okay? She is happy (laughs) with 20% of millennial women reporting that they eat five or more servings of fruits and veggies per day, even if, you know, by some standard that we don't abide by, 46.5% of millennial women are quote-unquote overweight, meaning they have a BMI over 25. But y'all know, that scale one for us. We don't. We don't acknowledge it. (laughs) Millennial women are also struggling with mental health. With millennial women reporting that five days out of the month, they experience poor mental health. Millennial women are also drinking more potentially than they should with 20% of millennial women reporting that they binge drink or drink to get drunk at least once a month. Uh, Boo hate that statistic but you know what we also doing the millennial woman is also a rich auntie okay we are living child free at higher rates than any other previous generation with 55 percent of millennial women having kids compared to 62 percent of gen x women having children at similar ages we are also living our best life not tied to no man not tied to nothing with 33 percent of millennial women reporting being unmarried with children and generally that being the highest demographic of unmarried people in general right so that's what the statistics say about who the millennial woman is but i have invited to the tea party two fierce ferocious badass millennial women to talk with me about really who we are so that we can define it for ourselves okay so for part one of this conversation we talked about where the millennial woman stands from a financial perspective we talked about how the millennial woman is moving throughout her career, whether or not the millennial woman feels supported. And then we also talked about whether or not the millennial woman is being supportive, okay? So for part two of this conversation, we are going to delve even deeper into the psyche and the state of the millennial woman with a amazing conversation on family, children, home life and personal life all right are y'all ready to get back into this conversation wonderful let's start again by reintroducing our guests so jess why don't we start with you please tell the people one more time who you are and what you do Okay. Hi, everyone. I am Jess Moore Matthews. I am 32 years old. I am a mom of two kids. I'm a wife. I'm an entrepreneur. And I am living in my hometown of Raleigh, North Carolina, actually right outside of Raleigh, Wake Forest, North Carolina, um, after almost 10 years in New York City. And yeah, it's great to be here. Yeah. Carla, why don't you jump in there, girl? Tell us who you are and what you do. Um, Carla Gibson here, aka Carla G, singer, songwriter, performer. Um, in New York City, I have been here almost a decade as well. 
and you know, I got a boo. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and let's see for work specifically, I have my own one woman show off Broadway and I am also a singer, the new gig at a burlesque show downtown New York City. Welcome. Welcome, ladies. So incredibly excited to have you back for part two of this amazing conversation. So I want to get to relationships and love because I feel like that is something that eludes so many of us. And so the statistic is that women in general are having babies, millennial women, at lesser rates than every previous generation and are getting married at lesser rates, right? So we are more likely to be unmarried with children, right? <laughs> like, and all of those different things with a 33% of millennial mothers being unmarried and uncoupled compared to 29% of Gen X and 23% for baby boomers and black women specifically, we are the least married demographic at 24% of us are married. Um, and so my question is, for you all that I want to like ponder on is, do we not want to be married? You know what I mean? Like, or is, is it something that we're realizing as we're coming into our own, as we're figuring things out and what life looks like and unapologetically writing the rules for ourselves? Do we not want to be married or are we just not finding partners suitable for marriage? I will step in here. I think, I think again, the old model of the American dream is I don't think we were taught what marriage really was about. It was very superficial. It was very like, okay, it was, you go to school, you go to grade school, then you go to college you get the job. Then you get the husband or the wife or whomever, <laughs> um, or wife. Yeah. Cause 2022, you get your partner, then you have the baby then you get a house or you get the partner and then the house and the baby, <laughs> you know, it was very, that was a template. But then when we reached this new state of the earth with being ghetto, we're like, I don't want, for me, I'm like, I can't even think of bringing a child into this world right now. One, two, social media is scaring me. Like it's telling me that all black women who have kids they gonna die. Like, I don't know if you peep that, but that's that <laughs> they keep saying that. They're like, you or they or the women who get on, and again, I'm glad I know real women, <laughs> you know, but nobody, the glory of having children, that's not a thing anymore. It's all negative. Media is making it negative, 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 negative. Um, and then yeah, partnership was huge on. It was based on like, I need to get my career together first. So until I met my baby, um, you know, and we're building together, I'm learning what partnership is. And it's not just, oh, can he support me? Or I can support him. It's like, how are we able to support each other through it all? You know, how are we gonna break our generational curses together? How are we going to, you know, support one another through our careers or just through everyday life? And I think Black women specifically, we've been taught, like, 
our partner has to be, if not our equal, better or 10 times better. And so when you go out there, you go out there with these, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't have high expectations, you're not getting your off. But I think we go out there like, you ain't better than me, so, you know, <laughs> or like, ugh, or the littlest thing will turn us off, but it turns us off because we aren't, and shout out to Black Love Doc and all that good stuff, because we're not having these conversations about what real marriage life is like, what it really means to be in a marriage or to be in a relationship. And I go back to TV and film, like my favorite scene from This Is Us was the sister, her and her husband had just gone through, their baby boy ended up being deaf and blind. Um, And before that, she was trying to have IVF and that was a stress on both of them. Then after all that, he lost his job. And so you come to this point where he goes into a deep depression. And then she says, I don't understand what's going on with you. And then he says, all of this has made me depressed. And then she still is like, I don't get it. You're a man. Get over it. <laughs> and her friends that have brunch, got to do the little scene. <laughs> she was like so he can't and I'm paraphrasing but like so he your husband can't be vulnerable with you the one person he should be vulnerable with she was like oh shoot oh <laughs> you know and it's just those small moments that now as I'm in my relationship when my boyfriend is venting to me I'm not looking at him as being weak I'm looking at him like, this is him being vulnerable, like we were talking about, you know, we want the chance to be vulnerable to one another. If we aren't vulnerable to one another, then how can we empower one another to be our best? So I think millennial women are not open. Sorry, I'm always on with it. <laughs> millennial women are not open to allowing people into their lives and being vulnerable. And that probably goes back to conditioning. (laughs) And also this whole depiction of, in order for me to have a baby and a husband or a partner, period, my life has to be perfect. If my life isn't perfect, I cannot move into having a partner and having a little baby running around because but I'm learning from a millennial mom. <laughs> Nothing is perfect, even when you have perfect. So that, that's my spiel. Hope that makes sense. Yeah. Jess, did you want to? Yeah, no, I was going to echo that. I mean, I, I think that uh, Black millennial women have are just not willing to settle for, you know, whoever is the first person. It's interesting. I was thinking about how do I want to say this out loud? I'm like, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it's not a fully thought out, you know, it's not a fully fleshed out thought. I was talking about this with my best friend the other day. It's interesting to me that like, I don't know why I'm hesitating to say this. 
it's interesting to me that so many Black men our age, like 32, I've noticed in the last two years, like so many of my husband's friends and like my brothers like are getting into the space of like, all right, it's time to settle down, right? And it's so, it's annoying to me because I think about like how much my friends have been very intentional about finding the right person. And, but whereas with Black millennial men, it seems like it really comes down to timing. Like, are they ready? (laughs) And whoever they're with at that time, at the moment that they're like ready, ends up being the wife. I don't know. I could, I would love to see some pushback in your comments from Black millennial men about that if they disagree. But it's what I'm noticing. Like, I've I've literally, you know, (laughs) my husband's one of his best friends, you know, made a comment the other day, like, all right, I'm the last one it's time, you know, I'm trying to, and so I don't want to discount the women who they are with when they make that decision because they're lovely women. And, you know, but whereas for us, it really feels like it's about finding the one, whereas for them, it seems like it's more about like, all right, am I in that space of like, I'm ready to get married. Right. And so I don't know, maybe it was like that for our parents and maybe black men were ready earlier. And maybe that's why our parents got married so young but like I mean I know even in my situation like you know my husband will tell anybody he knew when he went to college that he was gonna have to find his wife there like he was very much like you know because he's he's very reserved he's very like what a a lot of people would be surprised to hear that but he's very reserved he's kind of shy he was like I'm not the type of person who's gonna be on these dating apps I'm not gonna be out in the streets like walking up to women in bars like this is probably one of my last chances to meet somebody organically and, you know, get serious. And so, you know, when we graduated and he was like, you know, let's get into a relationship, whatever, he was very much thinking with the marriage mindset, right? And so I, a part of the reason why I might've gotten married so young, you know, to compare to other millennial women is that my husband was just ready. Like you, we got engaged and we got married the same year, you know? And so um, it's interesting to me, I think, a lot of my friends are have focused on themselves, focused on their career. They're doing great. I would say that in my marriage, we definitely like grew together, built together. You know, we were sleeping on an air mattress the first couple of years of our relationship. Um, you know, we didn't have much. We were, I remember we were engaged. He was living with me and three of my roommates in the East Village. <laughs> like he moved up to Harlem. He moved up to New York City. <laughs> I had yet to move to Harlem. I was still living with three roommates from grad school and he moved into my little closet of a room with me. Right. And so it's not like things were not perfect. I was working a work study job, you know, at my university, he was trying, struggling to break into break out of education into another field. So like we figured it out together and we definitely built together, but I can't help but wonder how much of it had to do with him just being ready earlier than other men were ready. You know, I personally always was very vocal about wanting to get married and have kids. And so maybe that was something that drew him towards me because he knew he was ready as well. But um, yeah, something I've just been thinking about. Half-baked thought, suspicion. No, I think, I I feel like I can co-sign that. And I feel like that is an issue for all women is that we, as far as we've come and we can choose the man, but the man still decides when it's time to get married. <laughs> you know but what I mean? Really, that really frustrates me. Like, and I'm coming at this from like, I'm very much a self-proclaimed like womanist, whatever. But so much of this feels like Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, <laughs> Rapunzel, come, oh, you ready yet? Okay. Like, I hate that, but it really seems to be the the scenario, you yeah. know? 
Because at that point, our only option is to stay and wait in round and hope they get ready or walk away. And I'm queen walk away. <laughs> like right. I, don't, I don't know if it's like good or bad, but I am just like, oh, you're not ready. Okay, call me when you, okay. And then if I'm still available, we could talk. I'm like that chick. But so as I get older, I've always been the person where I'm like, I don't, I don't look back. Like that's me. Like uh, I don't put things in the rear view mirror. Like once I say goodbye to a thing, I say goodbye to a thing and I don't turn her back. I don't turn around. It's gone. And I am eating crow on that as it relates to some things, especially relationships, because sometimes, right, like the man, like you said, it doesn't have anything to do with you. It's whether or not he's ready. Now, I don't think that you should stick around waiting for him that nah. But if another opportunity comes around where you feel like, okay. The really the only issue was that he wasn't ready. Would I be open to giving this person another chance? And I am, I feel like more open now to reconsidering those things and reopening previously closed doors. If that was like the only issue, like, okay, if he says, oh, okay, I'm ready. You can throw in your application. I'll consider it. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> I can't say it'll be approved, but you oh. can throw it in there. <laughs> And then the other thing to your point, Jess, is I feel like, do do we want to be married? Like, I feel like marriage is a huge commitment, not to mention the fact that with the advent of technology and the progressive social movement in the workforce and in the workplace, the necessity of men in our lives <laughs> or even partnership, right? The necessity of partnership, whether you are interested in men or not, but the necessity of partnership in our lives, I feel like is just significantly less important. For example, I made the decision about a year ago to start the process of freezing my eggs. And I did that to preserve my fertility A, so that there's less pressure on my romantic relationships to try to have a baby in the next couple of years, but also because I think I've decided that if I don't find or have the man in my life who is my moon and my stars, who I want to spend the rest of my life with, if I haven't found that guy by the time I'm ready to have a baby... I'm probably just going to go ahead and have a baby by myself. And technology has made it possible for me to be able to do that, right? Like 50 years ago, if you wanted to be a mom, you kind of needed a man to do that. And marriage was the most socially acceptable social structure in which to have a child. But now you don't need it right? You don't need a marriage. You don't need a man. You really don't need a partner. And so I think these advances in technology and also, like I said, the advances in the workforce where women are making more money, the wage gap is still exists, but it's getting closer than ever. And it has given women more of the freedom that we need to make the best decisions for ourselves in terms of whether or not coupling or marriage is the best situation for us. Cause I hate to say it, but you know, 
I hope that we all find the love and companionship that we need and deserve and desire. But that companionship may or may not come from a romantic relationship. And in the event that it doesn't, that's okay. (laughs) You know, we can still have the relationships that we want and we seek. And also, this is my last point on that, but marriage seems really hard. (laughs) And to your point, Carla, about marriage being a lot of work, it's like, how much am I really reasonably willing to tolerate before I'm just like done? You know, and I feel like for any relationship, you got to be willing to tolerate a whole lot. And I'm just like, do I have it in me? I don't know. Like, do I have it in me for the right person? I don't know. How much bullshit should you tolerate from even the right person? Like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like how, how much? I, I don't know. I just know that with all the rest of the crap that I have to deal with in my life, my tolerance for dealing with stuff in relationships is maybe lower than it needs to be for to sustain a marriage. Yeah. I was just going to say, you know, <laughs> marriage is, is daunting. And I say this like as someone who is about to hit year seven, but one yes. of the things that I know is crazy. One <laughs> of the things someone told me early on is like marriage is a daily decision, right? You wake up like, am I going to do this today? All right. <laughs> sometimes it's, I don't know, you know, sometimes it's yes. Right. And then if it's ever no, the key is to not be saying no at the same time, right? Because that's when it's really, it's a, that's when things get a little rough. But, you know, for me, I think it, it's, that's the key is like, can, can you choose that person every day once you say I do? And, you know, I think about it, Carla did a TV reference, so I'll do one too. You know, I've been binge watching Grey's Anatomy since last year, because, you know, there's 19 seasons, so... <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, but you know, someone, one of the characters is a recovering, you know, drug addict and the person who she was getting serious with was like, listen, I need you to promise me that you will never get high again. And she was like, I'm sorry, but that's too much pressure. Like I can promise you that I won't get high today. Mm. (laughs) And tomorrow she's like, I plan to wake up and, you know, promise that again. Honestly, that's life every day, waking up and making that decision. Because if you look at it as, can I make it 50 years? <laughs> I mean, mm. anybody would be like shaken and, and scared, right? But if it's like, can I wake up and do this today and choose this today? That's the key. So I woke up in a good mood today. So I said yes today. <laughs> well, I have a question yeah. too for you, Jess, as the only married person on the panel. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like marriage is the key to uh, building wealth to, you know, having uh, the most ideal and fulfilled life, because I feel like that's the reason why a lot of us were sold on marriage is that we were sold that, that having or being married was the key to the most fulfilled life, the, the most financial abundance, like, and I get it, like two incomes is going to be better than one. You know what I mean? Like the two parent household is way better than the single parent household in your experience as a married woman. Have you found those things to be true? And I, and I would say the two parent household is better than the one parent household when it's healthy, right? I think that caveat is important when the two parent household is is healthy and functioning. But no, I in my experience, it has been 
that has been the case, right? And I think about it in which, you know, my husband and I have been able to take turns on who's doing, you know, well for themselves in the marriage. There have been moments in which, you know, he's been able to fully focus on like his entrepreneurial career while I brought home the bacon. And then there's been moments like in the last two years where I took this entrepreneurship leap, you know, left my full-time job. And I actually realized the other day, like I am making less than I think every other job (laughs) I've had with the exception of my first job. It hasn't felt like that though, because we live in a a beautiful, you know, three bedroom home. We've got two cars, you know, I drive a luxury vehicle. We got two kids, but it doesn't feel like it because he's doing really well right now, right? He's got his entrepreneurship and he's got a full-time job. And so it enables me to take this leap and do something in which I'm not bringing in as much or where I don't have health insurance, I've got his. It it kind of allows us to balance each other out in a, in a way that, you know, yeah, if you want to be an artist or something and, you know, your your partner is able to make sure that you're covered from the health insurance front, from the, you know, bill paying front, yeah, I think it does. It definitely does allow more flexibility in terms of what success, you know, can look like as a unit. So bringing home two big paychecks was great in New York. But I think what I appreciate more is the more so being able to take turns on like, you know, what what it looks like in terms of career. Yeah, the community that Carla yep. was talking about earlier, you guys have developed your own interdependent community. Yeah. Imagine like being in a a job and that you really just, your mental health is really struggling. You can't take another day. Right. And you come into your partner, like, listen, this isn't going to work. I don't have anything lined up yet, but I just need three months to get my life together. And because of their income and because of your health insurance situation, like being able to do that, you know, it's just, it allows for more flexibility financially for sure. Mm -hmm. I agree. Mm -hmm. I have hope then. I have hope. This has been such a great conversation. Like, I feel like this was the conversation I needed this week and I didn't even know that I needed it. So I <laughs> I just want to thank you guys so much. Like, we just only like had the tip of the iceberg. Like, I feel like we need to do this at the top of every season. Um. So before I let you go, so there's a couple things. I have one question that I have to ask before we go and then we have our sugar-free quickies. So the last question that I want us to end on is what is something that has you excited and hopeful about the future for millennial women? I'm just excited to see my friends thrive. Like, I don't know. I I feel like, you know, it's interesting moving back home to North Carolina because I actually I went to school with um, mostly white classmates all the way up until high school where I went to predominantly black high school. Um, And it's interesting, a lot of my predominantly white classmates from elementary and middle school, I've noticed are married with more kids than me. (laughs) And so it's interesting, like now going into 32, I do feel like more of my friends are starting to like, you know, finally partner up or, you know, have kids. And so I guess I'm excited to welcome more of my friends into this community that I've been in for the last seven years, kind of by myself (laughs) in a way. Um, you know, like I'm excited for, you know, friends who are asking me stuff. Like I have a a great knowledge about pregnancy and like newborns. And like, I actually have never, I never knew that until I have a friend who's recently pregnant and is like calling me every week to ask me, you know, questions. And so I'm just excited to kind of like maybe welcome more of my friends into this, this phase of life that I feel like I entered maybe a little early and, um, 
I'm also just excited for my friends to thrive. Like, you know, I think about Carla's career and like how, you know, I went to her first couple, you know, open mics and like little sets and stuff at our little neighborhood restaurant and like just seeing her with her like a name. I mean, I just can't wait to make it to her show. Like, I don't know. I just feel like we're all about to blow up, you know what I mean? In this next 10 years. And while I'm excited for about like the the family dynamic happening, I also just feel like a lot of us have taken the last 10 to 15 years to really figure out what we want to do and what we like and who we are. And I'm excited to see people kind of blossom in in that way, knowing that. Yes, Carla. Yeah, I, I agree. I am excited to see um, the growth of community um, and vulnerability between me and my friends. Um, and also just like everything I said, I'm excited to see what other layers we peel back to allow each other to feel like, somebody else is like me. <laughs> um, and more Lizzo's, more Ari's, <laughs> more, uh, yes even more Chloe's more. um, I just want us to be, I want us to live out loud. I want us to feel free. More Cardi's too. More Cardi's. That's what I said. But you know, Liz on Meg, Cardi, they all, they all, they all in the same boat, but you know what I mean? Like, uh, I need more songs like about damn time. If you guys haven't really listened to the lyrics Mm. to that song, I was saying this, I sang that at my last show, actually. Um, But I just, I'm really excited to see more of that. And I'm just really excited because, like, I'm proud of y'all. I'm proud of me saying that out loud. How about that? Being able to, (laughs) as Black women, as Black millennial women saying, you know what? I'm proud of me. That just like when you say at marriage, choosing to be in marriage every day, but choosing to wake up and say, I'm proud of me every day. Yep. Whether I chose to clean up my house (laughs) or not, or whether I was like, you know what? I am not going to move the way that I was moving a decade ago or whatever it is like freedom. I am excited for the freedom of black millennial women, period. Yes. Yes. Kicking down. Shout out to all the the women you named, Carla, though, because I really feel like Black millennial women are kicking down this respectability politics door. And like, you know, I got so many texts the other day about this. um, Is she a senator? I think she's a state senator who was twerking. Yeah. (laughs) Her re-election video. Yes. (laughs) Why not? Why not? Why not? So many people texting me like, oh, she's going to need to call you for your help. Shout out to Backbone, by the way. I don't think I've mentioned my business this entire time. <laughs> Shout out to Backbone. We do right. digital marketing. We do digital marketing for candidates and, and um, movement makers. But no, I'm like, why not? Like, yes, thank you for knocking down that door for, you know, basically like just death to respectability politics, like breathing life yes. into this rest movement. Like, thank you for that. Thank you for all the pioneers who are doing that for us because- we need it. We need it. Yeah. And when I think about too, like us normalizing things, like I feel like part of the reason why things weren't normal, like it wasn't normal because we weren't, we weren't 
doing it unapologetically, right? Like how can it become normal if we're hiding ourselves and our true selves at work and on social media and all these different things? Like how can we condition our colleagues and friends who don't look like us to feel like this is normal if we never show them that side of us? Of course, it's not going to be normal for them because they're not experiencing those things at home. It's not part of their culture and community. So we have to be more unapologetic and free in how we present ourselves so that it can become normal so that 10 years from now we understand the idea of duality and that woman who's a senator, she's a senator, yes. She's educated, yes. But she's also a woman. She's also a black woman. We Absolutely. we have a culture, right, that is unique to us and twerking or shaking or, you know, what, whatever it, it was called hundreds of years ago, that is something that is part of our culture. She yep. is allowed to display those things and still be educated, a senator and a woman, a mother, a wife and whatever those things are. And so I am excited and looking forward to us continuing to figure this ish out like I feel like we're so close right like every listen we right on the verge every year we're putting a few more pieces of the puzzle together to where we are like one puzzle piece away from being dangerous and that's what this show is about is helping us to get a few more of those puzzle pieces on the board so we can get the vision together that said, I, I hate for it to be a footnote, but I do want to shout out my therapist, Anastasia. I just think yes, it's yes. that we are upfront about like our mental health and therapy. I, all of my friends, right? We all have a dedicated therapist that is helping us navigate this life. It is necessary. It is mandatory. And do not wait until you are crisis in a crisis to look for one. Psychology Today, y'all. Go type in your zip code and your insurance if you have it and find someone in your area because you deserve I think that's important. Or therapy for black girls has a similar therapy for black girls has a similar search tool. Please don't be out here. <laughs> what do people say? Raw dog in life. Just trying to make it on your own. <laughs> I'm sure I, you know what? Y'all check in with me. Can you be my accountability partners? Cause yes. I, I'm going to reach out to y'all. Cause I'm trying to find one. I have somebody for you in Manhattan. You go. I got you. I like, miss you go. Christina, Christina. I got you. I got okay. you. See? Wonderful. Black women helping black women. Empowerment. All right. So uh, one last thing before I let you go, we got to get into the sugar free quickies. So the sugar free quickies is a series of quick fire questions. That's either or and you cannot choose all and you cannot choose none. You ready? All right. So we normally do five questions, but I'm only doing three since there are two of you. So you got to choose either one. Beyonce or Rihanna? Beyonce. (laughs) Either or. Look, I said Beyonce, but I do not, I don't consider myself a member of the Beehive. So feel free to be your true self, Carla, in this moment. <laughs> it's like, I dance more to Beyonce, but like Rihanna inspired just like all, her whole being. So I'm going to choose Rihanna. Her, there you go. Whole- See, it wasn't hard. You, you, knew, you know, deep down, I feel like you knew deep down in your heart what you wanted to Same choose. Days. Safe space, safe space, but no, but right. these Beyonce fans be having people out here, people out here scared. So yeah. <laughs> All right, next one: skinny jeans or boyfriend jeans? Mm. Boyfriend. 
I still haven't figured out how to wear boyfriend jeans. I, I'm still rocking the skinny jeans. And I just found out that's a millennial thing. I had no idea. People apparently aren't wearing skinny jeans like that anymore. But yeah, I don't know exactly. I need someone to show me what that, how to wear that. I mean, it's honestly, it's just like, just having a little bit more, having more room. I like them because whether I'm bloated <laughs> or I'm feeling skinny, put that on with a little crop top. We good to go. We good to go. Yeah, but how note high-waist boyfriend and in a crop top. Okay, okay. High-waisted. Okay. I was about to say, let's note for your listeners that Carla is the type who can wear a crop top. Okay, so... <laughs> well, it doesn't have to be a crop top. I you, I think that you can go a lot of different directions and whatever. Or yeah, like whatever your makes top you comfortable. that you have on. Like the top like, I on. like a nice high-waisted skinny jeans to just sloop, you know, just... Pull you all in, you know. Listen, ain't nobody you you do not have to not wear your skinny jeans, girl. Okay. But just know that skinny jean is the new mom jean. I'm just saying, just just know. I know, it's, I heard that. I as long as you're comfortable with it. I just found that out. Yeah. <laughs> all right, last one. Red wine. I'm gonna throw three options in there this time, just in case you don't drink. Perrier or Pierre if you're Kevin Matthews. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god why am i embarrassed <laughs> should be or an espresso martini red wine yeah i'm a i'm a cabernet girl yep <laughs> gotcha okay so this is so random but this is also why i think i've been struggling for coupling because i feel like there's a lot of pressure when you feel like the other person represents you and so I'm very particular about who is a representative of me because I felt your shame when I said Pierre. <laughs> Girl, they put like- my head down. You saw me put my head down, like. <laughs> and Kevin is a fantastic. Like he he is one of the good ones, but that Pierre, mm. yeah. As on behalf of our family. <laughs> <laughs> I need to teach him better. We're working. We're working on it. We're seven years in, you know, 10, 10 years dating, seven years married. We working on it. It's a day. It's a daily decision, daily, daily journey. <laughs> I feel you. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me today. This was absolutely a fantastic conversation. I think one of the best we've ever had on the show because it wasn't necessarily about education. It was just really about checking in. And I hope that kind of sets the tone for where we're headed this season and just temperature checking all season to make sure that we're feeling real good. So I just want to say that I am so incredibly honored to have shared this stage with you all. And I am proud of y'all. I am proud of y'all as a Hamptonian, as a scripper. I am proud of all y'all. I'm proud of us. And I'm so excited to see where we go and where we take this thing over the next I don't know, 10 years. And so with that, all I can say is to wrap up this first state of the millennial women is that millennial women are going to be all right. Okay. Mm-hmm. You Kendrick Lamar yep. and pop open your glass of red wine. We're going to be That's all right. Cool. We got this. <laughs> yes. Got this. So thank you guys to so much for tuning in this week and be sure to check back in next week for another great episode plenty of real talk and of course more of the most exquisite tea that's 100 sugar-free woo chow mm-hmm. what a show 
We shared some good old tea today, didn't we, friend? Thank you for your presence. I truly enjoyed you at the tea party. And we appreciate you sipping on some sugar-free tea. With me, your host, Sid Mack. Until next time, be sure to connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Sugar Free Podcast or at Sugar Free Pod. You can also visit our website at www.sugarfreepodcast.com. See you again soon, friends. And be sure to keep the tea party going, a with plenty of tea that's 100% sugar-free. Tired of piecing your business forms together from an internet search? Tired of sealing all your business deals with a pinky promise? Looking for a way to add some formality and professionalism to your business relationships? Then you need Formally. Formally is a DIY legal form and template shop for entrepreneurs, small business owners, creatives, freelancers, dreamers, and side hustlers. All Formally forms and templates are drafted by an experienced, licensed business attorney and reviewed by a law professor. So, not to brag or anything, but our forms are pretty legit. So what are you waiting for? Throw those pinky promises away and try formally today.